ninja who explodes onto America. His soul transforms her into a lethal assassin. Who are you? Her only hope is Yamato, the master ninja who has been sent to destroy him. An epic struggle of superhuman strength and supernatural forces. Ninja 3, The Domination. Rated R. Hello, friends, and welcome to the most glorious of events, the Movie Mavericks Podcast. This outstanding program is hosted by two fine gentlemen, Jason and Trevor. Now make it so. MovieMavericks.com Hey, now, everybody, welcome to a special episode of the Movie Mavericks Podcast. We are... Uh, jumping around i've got a, a silk onesie on i think jason does too in, in preparation for what we're about to talk about i'll send you over to uh mr rugard he'll let you know uh your silk onesie is one thing my <laughs> i prefer to call it a, a ninja gi we are going hey. to be talking about uh, we're running around as little ninjas today if you hadn't <laughs> little ninjas i think is an appropriate I didn't title give it away. for this movie we're <laughs> gonna be talking about the canon films classic ninja three the Domination, which is a hell of a title. No, we're not talking about Ninja Turtles 3 or Three Ninjas. It's the other ninja movie with the three at its title. Or American Ninja 3. There's a lot of these fucking movies. Although we should do American Ninja 3 next. I loved American Ninja 3. <laughs> if we're going to do thir- thirds, we should do that one next. American Ninja 3 might be my favorite of the whole series, so I'm not against that. Let's do let, let's do that retro next. Okay. It's keeping in the ninja thing. We're, gonna, we're doing thirds this year for retros, guys. It's 2003, we're going to give you the third entry in series as our retro features. I want to discuss this offline with you too. I have a couple wacky ideas for third entries, but I do like awesome. the American Ninja 3 Blood Hunt idea, so that's the next one. Also a canon film. What can you say? What can you not say? I mean, it's a canon film, so you know there's at least three ninjas per movie, right? These are the guys, the exploitation masters, <laughs> the Israeli gentlemen, Menahem Gulan and Yoram Globus, who started canon films. And Menahem Gulan directed the first entry, which is Enter the Ninja, starring Franco Nero and Suge uh-huh. George, two Italian film staples. And then we had Revenge of the Ninja, which is my personal favorite of this uh-huh. early trilogy. And then you get Ninja 3, The Domination. This movie's a body swap movie. It's a possession movie. Well, these are it's- both, uh, we should say that, I mean, you mentioned... Uh- Mr. Golan directed the first one. These are the the sequels were both directed by first Sam Furstenberg, and I will say that I agree with you that the first two are, are kind of make sense together. This one's the oddball. It's the weird one, and it's also the one that's titled Ninja Three. And the other ones weren't Ninja or wasn't Ninja Two. Those are other movies. Yeah, they weren't sequentially <laughs> titled at all. So this is this is definitely the oddball, and I'm I like this movie. I, I think it's a lot of fun. I agree with you. This is this is the weird one. This came out in 1984. It was directed by Sam Furstenberg. And I want to pause for just a brief second because I found a clip I want to let the audiences listen to about Tarantino's starting a Sam Furstenberg fan club and where he rates the top three canon films. We'll be right back. I think I had seen Revenge of the Ninja, uh, but I went out to, I watched it again, now taking him into account. And I really liked it. Then I ran, ran running out to see... Uh, uh, American Ninja, like the day it opened, because I was a Sam Furstenberg fan. It was like I was just all, all this one man audience, one man fan club of Sam Furstenberg. And uh, but uh, I, I made a bunch of friends. Uh, we had a small little group, all right, but I was the leader of the group for sure. Uh, when it comes to the Sam Furstenberg club, you know, if you were to ask me what my three favorite canon movies are, uh, well, number one would be Runaway Train, which we're going to sing. Uh, number two would, would be 52 Pickup. Number three would be Ninja 3 The Domination. 
Okay, so he rated the top three canon films according to Tarantino. Number one, Runaway Train. Number two, 52 Pickup. And number three, Ninja 3. I'll give him 52 Pickup. I think that's a surprisingly good movie that everyone should see if you get a chance. I would agree. That's a great John Frankenheimer movie with uh, Roy Scheider and a good villain performance by John Glover in that movie too. He kind of makes that movie. Yeah, it doesn't look like it's going to be a good movie. Believe me, you look at the box, it looks pretty generic and all that, but surprisingly good. And I do like Runaway Train. I always forget that that's a canon film because it doesn't yeah. fit with their exploitation model. Because that's, let's be honest, that's what they were really specializing in. They stumbled into this ninja genre by accident, and they're <laughs> most directly responsible for starting the 1980s craze that was ninjutsu i mean people started opening up schools as funny as it seems now i mean this is the uh, the decade that the ninja turtles were spawned i mean in america but correct they were they were they brought it into mainstream hollywood i'd agree with you on that obviously for decades this has been going on in asian countries right yeah (laughs) and they've actually imported them for a long time so it wasn't until this that we got regular hollywood studios starting to make ninja movies yeah, it's, it's unbelievable because with the start of 1981's Enter the Ninja through the early 90s, there had to have been three dozen ninja mm-hmm. films that were released into cinemas and, and twice as yeah, many I mean, to home video. All, we're still talking early 80s. Even with Ninja 2 was like uh, 83. mid-80s? No, 83. 83? Yeah, this 80- was 1984. Something like that. And then in 1985, this is followed by American Ninja, and that starts its own you know, four-film franchise. Right. And those are more action. To be fair, some of the like well, the American Ninja, some of those become more of American action movies. This is definitely, out of all of the films that we just mentioned, though, in that series, this is by far the odd man out because tonally it's completely different. I mean, let's well, start it has off a horror aspect to it. It has a female right? lead. A a let's start off with the mysticism. most glaring, you know, difference is the female lead. Lucinda Dickey. It's fucking fantastic. Lucinda Dickey isn't given much to work with in this movie and seems to be still likable. She carries off what she's asked to do very professionally. Is I guess the best thing I can mm-hmm. say about her in this movie. I liked her in this. She's not someone who acts a lot, so this is one of the few times you're ever going to come across her. But I yeah, I really liked her in this. I, uh, I think it's a shame she's not in more um, things. And I like that they picked a dancer, so to speak, to be a ninja because it, it makes sense. Like the way that she's able to move her body and stuff. Makes her seem more ninja-like. I like that you think that that was a creative choice and not that they were just directly ripping off Flashdance, which should come a year earlier, who was a steel worker by day and a dancer by night. Here, uh, well, she's I don't a telephone know worker by day rip off of that, and an aerobics okay. instructor at night. Gotcha. That's what I saw right there. It's like, oh, she's an aerobics instructor. It was a total Jennifer um, Beals-type ripoff is what I saw. I thought they were looking for someone athletic, more than likely, is what would be my guess. And, and still someone who looked good, and she's, you know, she's a looker for sure. Well, her first big action scene in the film is this kind of Jim Cotta situation where she's flipping around poles and using sure. a stairwell to kick the shit out of exactly. three would-be attackers. And it's one of the most bizarre scenes in the film because she's done her class. These meatheads at the gym wait for her when she gets out. They try to rape her, basically, in front of the entire class where nobody does anything, including the guy who eventually, the cop... In the class, who eventually mm-hmm. becomes her boyfriend in the following scene. It, it's one of the more bizarre entries in that's a weird most, story. That's the one thing I don't understand about this movie is is the like when you read the plot of this and stuff, they don't really explain to you how she gets the boyfriend and stuff. And it's it has to be hands down the most unbelievable part of the entire movie. <laughs> right? I believe that she was had the the spirit of a ninja inside of her more than I believe that she fell in love with this guy. Oh, it's one of the worst romances I've ever seen put on film. But let's briefly say what the film is about, and it's about a girl who is working for the telephone company in the daytime, teaching aerobics classes in the evening, and 
stumbles upon this guy who's ninja who's committed a murder, right? Well, the Take movie it starts with the huge, a great opening sequence, ten minutes right in the beginning, where you have Sho Kasugi, who's in all these movies. Uh, oh no, not, um, it's not. Excuse Sho. me, not him. No, it's not Sho. He's later on. <laughs> who's the guy? It's, Actually, no, I don't it's know a who no the name person who happens to be in is a couple of no canon films. He was also in. Uh, he's a bad guy in one of the Michigan action films. Is the only way I, I can describe him. I'm not even sure if I've seen. Do we even see his face in this? Yes, I'm not even sure about Once, that. Right when he gets to the cave, because most of the time he's most he's, of the time he's covered up. So I actually, so excuse me, I get the other, I got the other guy mixed up. The, the the other guy shows up. He's got an eye patch on. We'll talk about him later, or show uh, Kasugi. He's in he's in all the the ones, but he plays in later in this. So the opening, we have a ninja guy. He discovers this. I don't know a temple. No, it's a hidden cave. Uh, what the fuck is it? It's he's a got equipment. Cave. It's a temple, bro. He's cave. Out like a like a like a crazy like sword and shit out of this like. He's like doing some ninja archaeology and shit. And he finds this <laughs> fucking old sword and he pulls it out. He's like, ah, I am the ninja, you know? And then he just fucking kills people. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. Like he goes on some revenge spree, I guess. A never ending revenge spree, apparently, if you watch this fucking movie. <laughs> and he kills, uh, kills some golfers. Yeah, I mean, you're right. Hold on. You're, he basically, <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I'm just telling you what happens. He really does. He he basically assassinates this man on a Palm Springs golf course. And his girlfriend. And his yeah, girlfriend. He kills some golfers. The cops come. Rightfully uh, so. Or actually, security comes. He kills security. The cops come. He kills all the cops. The cops shoot him. And then he dies. But then he gets back up. And they kill some more cops. And they shoot him again. And then he dies. And then he uses a smoke bomb as a distraction. And then, he's, and then he uses a smoke bomb, even though he's encircled, yes. with a smoke bomb down, and he gets and he disappears. Now that's some ninja shit, right there. That is man. some ninja shit. And he's gone. And then he he goes and he dies. Well, before he dies, no, no, well, no, no, no. She finds his body. Right. And she his runs spirit into him. This is, is where you, this, is you, this is where you're talking. So yeah, go ahead. Her body, his spirit is transferred into her body because she happens to come across this dying person. This is where the film, in terms of a narrative structure and storyline, is so wrong-headed because it turns into a kind of revenge-o-matic in a lot of ways in which this woman is now possessed by this deadly spirit of this vengeful ninja who only wants to kill all of these police officers. Well, really, the <laughs> no. police officers were not in the wrong for killing this man who assassinated somebody I'm on right? a golf course. He was just killing them. They were protecting themselves, if anything, from so him. So you don't and have so, yeah, any so it's just, sort it's of... It's an endless revenge. He's just a revenge ninja. But you, you don't just... have any affinity for her mission in the film. You don't want her to, to complete her goal. But that works out because she's she's not doing it. Uh, it's the ninja. Of course it's he's the ninja. He's evil. And so he's he's inside of her making her do these things and she doesn't want to be doing this so she wants to get rid of him so you know? she becomes possessed and, and by her the boyfriend spirit. her boyfriend is the cop who also shot the ninja and every time she sees him the things. ninja's like i hate that guy yeah even though she's fucking him the entire movie you know but then she flashes on him if you take the behavior just, that she presents mm-hmm. to him it's absolutely schizophrenic and he should run for his life and being a of trained course, officer they should have had a better sex scenes in this with that like you know you could imagine the orgasms and like the 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 zoom ins on people's faces of like, I'm going to kill. <laughs> well, we're also we're, we're gliding over something and I want to bring it up when she goes into the body swap moments, when she becomes uh-huh. overtaken by this ninja, this vengeful ninja inside her. There is this kabuki type makeup that is applied to her that is laughable. Oh, yeah. That makes her eyes look um, Asian. Yes. As, as nice as well. I'll say it like they're slanted. 
Yeah, and it's like they, they make her eyes skinny, and uh, it's weird, bro. It's funny, but it's supposed to signal you that now she is being possessed. And in some of these these sequences, I mean, she's asked then to then go and she murders this man with a samurai sword. Well, Sho Kazugi, mm-hmm. who you talked about, has been flown in from Japan to take care of this evil spirit that somebody realizes is still out there running. Never really clear who told him to come or who hired him to come take care of this to me but uh regardless he's now in america well he's trying to get the, like he he wants revenge on this ninja right but who told him to come as we learned from the that back he's story. been spirited and, yeah a lot of holes i'm not sure his. that's covered yeah. i don't think it is at all but i think you're not supposed to think about I that know. but i mean they go to visit the asian uh i won't call him an exorcist but he's like he is a an exorcist guy is he not but he doesn't do a very good job at it bro low he pan. actually gives up at one point he's just like uh, i better just like he ties her up and, and she's and the, the ninjas in her is like set me free he's like well i better just do what he asks instead of like what kind of an exorcist are you you're just gonna set them free they're gonna kill you well two things here one is that it's low pan from big trouble <laughs> little china performing the yes, exorcism <laughs> and two is the fact that we have an exorcism scene in the middle of a martial arts film when she commits that first murder and kills the guy with the samurai sword and they're looking for possible suspects and the cops are scratching their heads say who could have done this nobody thinks to question the shady looking Japanese guy standing as a bystander with the fucking eye patch on who looks like he no, carries the cop a samurai sword. Him. Does he? I don't recall that. The cop, yeah, no, no, the cop turns her boyfriend, right? Comes onto the scene at one point and turns and looks straight at that dude. And that guy's sitting there in the crowd who's come to apparently watch look at the cop scene which they always do but i don't i don't believe they do that in real life and he's there and he sees him like they make eye contact you know and then he turns away and i think he even turns back and the and the, the guy's gone okay that, that i think that's maybe you're right i think you're right i think i might understood that because i thought there's no way that somebody even with the stretch of imagination in this movie that that somebody wouldn't have noticed well, they that. don't do anything about it because i don't think he really knows he's still like like the way they play with that the the boyfriend thing is like he's he sees some shit's going down but he doesn't believe it is it real is it not in his mind for a while and the boyfriend is this steve gutenberg lookalike right who's hairy as fuck i was going to say i'm so glad you. there's a shot of this guy's back and shoulders i'm just like ugh, bro i thought it was me i made a note that says the lead male actor's excessive body hair is only matched by dan hadaya in alien resurrection Look, the front is fine, but bro, the shoulders and the upper back, like shave that shit if you're going to be on camera. Oh, you're, oh. Be, you're being kind. I mean, it, he is he is Burt Reynolds times 10 hairy. I mean, it is, it is funky. He's like Robin Williams, <laughs> never cut his hair ever. But uh, I'm glad you said that too. But one of my favorite lines in this movie, and it's a, it's a movie that has a lot of laughable lines, is when he offers her a soda in the police station when they're holding her on their initial interaction. Uh-huh. And she says, sorry, I don't use soft drinks like it's a drink. Rug. That was one of my favorite well, yeah, lines. She's a health person. Oh, she clearly she takes care of her body in this movie. I mean, that's Obviously, that's shown over and over and over. Look, I just love that she's always driving around that fucking phone phone truck, you know, that phone van. Yeah, it's, it's, that's <laughs> really where she a, goes. It's it is it's it's like, with the, the ladder fuck? on top and, and the whole thing, and she got the hard hat on in the first the first scene what i loved about that opening scene too is when the ninja was killing the golfer he just happened to know where this golfer was going to shank his fucking ball he just he predicted where this guy's shot was going to be and just happened to be there and the guy he kills looked like he was going to die from a pastrami sandwich in about 10 minutes anyways <laughs> so he didn't like he was doing any like the world any favors there's no there's no reason why he killed this person so it gives you no sort of context even to begin with i can't get over the thing is the cops are in the right on this movie for killing a guy who basically murdered two people for no reason and she's exacting the vengeance of the serial lunatic the ninja in this is the bad guy well actually 
the I mean, the, the tagline of this is only a ninja can kill a ninja, right? I mean, that's that's the line from this movie. So the good guy would be would be Sho Kasugi, whoever the whatever his act the character's name is. I don't know. Um, that's the good guy, and and, and the girl as well as Lucinda Dickey, right? They're the good guys, and so is the cop. The bad guy is the ninja. Yep. Which is kind of weird. It's ninja in- three, the domination, but. He, the ninja is the dominator. He's the bad guy. <laughs> I think it should be the overtaker. I the think overtaker. That the movie really didn't have any sort of. But it should of... be overtake and then her, right? Oh, wow. Now you're getting more clever than they hey. ever thought. That's more creativity than went into most of this movie. But I do want to say there are moments of creativity that are mind blowing, like the sex scene where she uses V8 juice and pours it down her torso for some reason Bro, i was gonna talk to you about that what the fuck is that and then he like licks it up it's like it's disgusting i don't even it's v8 juice like, it's sticky why? What it is looks that? like blood it's foul the whole thing it stinks it's the weirdest fucking food thing i've ever seen someone do is it i thought well is it because she's a health nut then i thought they couldn't have like fruit could eat some fruit out of her mouth they're like oh for real i mean eat, eat a grape out of her navel maybe i mean something that you could have done a better job than this v8 right? situation what's the joke what's that movie where they were it was a hot shot movie isn't that a hot shots movie where he puts the grape in her belly button and he boop, pops it out in his mouth yes yes that's exactly what i was thinking of <laughs> hysterical in this. Yeah. I, i've never been big on sex scenes with food in them anyways in movies but no, it's still it's gross, this is, but i still um, yeah this is just the fucking v8 bizarre thing was the weirdest choice i've ever seen my question too there's a couple scenes where there is, is excessive violence on the ninja's part i know he's supposed to be vengeful but why when he kills the cop who's in the hot tub it's Lucinda Dickey acting as the ninja. Why does he kill sure. the, the two girls as well? Why does she kill the... She basically murders two innocent bystanders. He just kills. I feel like he just kills. Yeah, but he's he's evil, right? Even when the flashback, when the the other ninja who's coming to kill him, basically, when they do the flashback to, I'm guessing, Japan, I don't know where the hell it is, he's just killing at will. And there's no reason, it seems, no reason to rhyme for what he does. He's just a brutal person. He's a Terminator like. type. I, it, To some degree, yeah, and whoever gets in the way, even joyously, right? Like the scene you're talking about, he seems pretty happy about killing those other women. It has no problem making out with the cop in the form of a female. I mean, Which just, I thought was weird. Yeah, I mean, if you start thinking about the implications of what the, <laughs> what this movie is saying in certain scenes, you're like, was is there a thought behind this or is this just a collection of random scenes? Because like I said, I think this movie was written independently and then they made it and they thought, well, we can tie this in through this strenuous thing by bringing Kokuji in very minimally i mean he's barely he's in this movie like schwarzenegger's in red sonia he's, he's peppered well, but through he's it. the ninja he's the the ninja that can kill the ninja it, only only kosui can kill the ninja he's technically the hero but we barely get to see him or know technically him. They, have, they do have a great final fight how many times does, does this guy have to die he's literally dead in the final fight sequence so i don't even know how you kill a dead person but this, they kill him like 20 times again at the end right just like they did at the beginning but then he has the one the one part where he turns around and he drills into the ground. I love it. It has got to be – it's like Power Ranger-esque. Yeah. You know? It's just <laughs> it's like, what the fuck am I watching? That's a ninja movie for you when somebody can throw a smoke bomb and disappear or be in the ground. I mean, it's just right, right. that kind of – this is why it appealed to young adolescent males is because they were almost like – 
magicians in a way, the, the kind of Eastern mysticism they brought with it, let them get away with a lot of corny shit. I mean, even the first American Ninja, one of the ninjas has like a gun that he shoots at, like a, like a web slinger, but it shoots bullets. It's fucking hilarious. And this movie is bizarre because not only is the lead character possessed, she apparently also lives in a haunted apartment. The fucking her sword vibrates, haunted? summons Bro, her, no. the arcade Bro, no, explodes no, no, no. and, and you, pulls her into you. it. The arcade doesn't explode, bro. There's a whole sequence where the ninjas, like, like, because uh, as you're explaining, like, the, basically, this is like the part where the ninja is slowly, like, taking her taking over. over her body. Yeah. And so it does, like, weird things. And, and she's kind of, like, dreaming in dream states, and the sword glows. Like you're saying, she's attracted to it, and, like, oh, wow. Like, she wants to, like, oh, you know, fucking wield the sword, basically. She wants to be like the ninja. It's like preparing her body for, you know, him to take over. But there's that fucking arcade machine, which makes, well, first of all, why is that in her house? No idea. But secondly, why is the why is he possessing her body through the arcade machine? It makes no sense. Like, there's a whole sequence where it's just shooting out light onto her face for, like, several minutes, right? With all kinds of different graphics and things flying over her face and stuff. It's a, it's fucking awesome looking don't get me wrong it works well in the film too <laughs> it's yeah cinematic they, yeah um it looks really good it's fantastic you know the for, as far as that 80 styles and the, and, the, and the um the neon lights and stuff things that they did back then it looks great i don't know how the fuck it makes any sense at all i've always thought well, well because it was electrical the thing it was the biggest piece of electrical thing that she had but he was... doesn't go through electrical anything else I know it would have made more sense if he had touched the pole she was working on in the beginning and got electrocuted and that's how he transferred his spirit into her and she got shocked as opposed to her finding the body in it's the beginning you know because she was up on that pole but they, they didn't like explain several things about this movie it feels like they have to do something so they just pick something that they can make look cool but it doesn't make sense that's a lot of this movie I feel like. Once again, poor Lucinda Dickey, who's asked to do all this bizarre shit and carries it off very well for, for the crazy stuff she's asked to do. And in a sense, she kind of reminded me of a Linda Blair. She has a Linda Blair type look. I mean, she's more attractive, she I think, but she has a Linda Blair type look. By far. But yeah, you're right. For as ridiculous as this movie is, I think what you're, what you're really saying is that everyone does seem to be in the moment for the world in which they're occupying. Yes. You know, and it's ridiculous. And sometimes... They, the things that they're doing are ridiculous, but they it, they seem they appear to be well motivated to do those things. Like it doesn't seem like it's out of character for them to do anything that they do, no matter how ridiculous it is. And this is a movie where the moment it starts, you have to put your uh, sense of disbelief. I mean, if you're watching a ninja movie, you, you don't be an asshole. Don't right? bring some sort of realism to it because there's not many good ninja movies out there. And I've never truly loved this movie. Like I said, out of all the ninja movies that we talked about, Enter the Ninja Revenge, this, and then American Ninja 1 through 4, this is probably my least favorite of that grouping. But it's not because it's not well made for what it is because it, oh, this is an exploitation film and Furstenberg knows what he's mm -hmm. doing behind the camera. I watched this on VHS. I know you watched this on Blu-ray, so I'm sure that sequence with the arcade looked really good and crisp, but there is something about watching a VHS tape because you know that's a film print transfer. You know, the cigarette burns, the, the hum of the machine, it, it made this movie slightly more endearing well, to me than I remember it to being, honestly. I mean, what, what, I mean, yours was probably taken from, what, an inner, inner negative well, and a digital positive? And then they, it they, doesn't say. It says film elements, original film elements. So it could be 
an interpositive. It could be. Is that um, the actually, shout- this is 4K scan? It's probably well. It's the collector's edition, so it is the new transfer. Yeah. So it might be from from negatives. I don't. But I don't know if negatives exist. Regardless, it's gonna. This is gonna be probably the best transfer you're ever gonna see for this movie. How'd it look? Um, unless you get the 4K version, which would be slightly better than this. It looks fantastic. I did the special features. I bought this for special features, which I haven't watched any yet. Really, I want to watch the. the I haven't seen this movie. Aside from VHS, let me just say that. So this is the first time I've actually ever really owned this movie. And it looks fantastic. And, of course, I haven't seen the movie in 20-plus years. And uh, it's great, again, to rewatch it. But uh, the special features on this are great. I really want to watch the the Sam Furstenberg commentary. But I have not yet. We got a chance to interview Sam back in 2011 on MovieMavericks.com. That interview's still up. We talked about his filmmaking style and his ninja films, so check that out if you're interested. But we also watched this on different mediums, and the fact that I don't have access to that makes me insanely jealous, but I do have... I wanted the VHS. I I have this VHS (laughs) that I bought for 50 cents at a secondhand store, and it's the original MGM UA release with the big box art and the whole thing, and it's just something, and it's a heavy tape, it's got a weight to it, and it's just, this fucking thing makes, this is, to me... This is the delivery system that is proper for this film. I have to agree. Look, it's fucking amazing today. Like owning this movie, I basically own a film print of Ninja Three. Owning this Blu-ray, I don't. I don't know if people can really appreciate that. Just because there's Blu-rays and 4K, just go buy them. With VHS and DVD, it's not. It wasn't like this. Like this is a basically a fucking film print. I, you could project this in a theater, and it would look great. That's unreal to me that, that that's available, and so it's great to see to own it and to see it like that. But at the same time, you're sending me a picture of that fucking VHS tape, and I was like, "Fuck, I gotta watch this thing on Blu-ray. I wanna watch it on VHS." <laughs> the grass is always greener. I'm telling you. For those Canon releases that were through MGM in the early '80s, those big box releases, if you remember the video stores, I love watching those on VHS. I have a couple. I have this. I have uh, Missing in Action One and uh, the Beastmaster as well, which are the big silver box MGM UA uh, releases that had um, the little tape inside. We were talking off air about laser discs and you're getting rid of your your collection and it's about time maybe that I get rid of mine and it laser rot and this and that. And it's funny how VHS is, we're really the superior uh, archival form in a lot of ways. Depends on, on where you live and where they're kept. If you're back east and stuff, uh, they get mold on them, right? And then you have to clean the mold off. So uh, it's the same issue no matter what you do. If you don't keep them in, in a good environment, stuff will rot. I think these VHS tapes are holding up better than my laser discs uh, on the overall. I mean, the fact- Out here, I think they do. On the west coast, uh, I think that's probably true. On the east coast, it's, it's less true. And probably the more north you go, it's probably less true. The more wet things are the worst it's get especially here i have never in my life seen mold on a vhs tape if you look anywhere out east there's mold all over the vhs tapes interesting you have to be super careful about getting it and you can clean it off they actually make systems and things that would clean it off and i guess you can do it yourself too it's pretty rampant out there so i don't it's all like a it's all luck, I guess. I've seen more disc rot out here than I, yeah. and I've never seen mold on a VHS tape. A number of my laser discs have disc rot, and I don't know if really? it's from I don't have any storage methods or what. I've had some DVDs. I've never had laser discs, but I do have some DVDs. I have some early burnt DVDs that I burnt about twenty years ago. Um, that those will, are uh, to um, yeah, those will come apart. They don't have disc rot. They just can't like the. They won't play. The, they just won't load the, or. 
Yeah, well, for mine, the the actual glue that holds the two things together came apart and it damaged the data layer in between them, and it won't play anymore. And they then those look weird too. You can see, I don't know, you can see lots of DVDs, but lots of DVDs have that problem and stuff, and they still play. Blu-rays are, are really good, right? Those almost never go bad. The- Unbelievable how resilient a Blu-ray is compared to a, a laser disc and how much work that was, and how which you is interesting because you know, you know, those the HD DVDs have a shitload of rot on them. Interesting. Um, those those go bad. I mean, Laserdisc at the so. time had more information on them than DVDs did, and had a better picture in a lot of ways. Um, and you know, the first uh, one. Oh no, no, no. There's no way. I no. thought some of those Laserdiscs. The Laserdiscs are all analog. There's no digital except for those some criterions? of the, the audio. No. No, no way. I mean, the the video quality would be half that of DVD. Well, shit. Um, I mean, the DVDs would be way superior unless there's like a transfer issue, which there have been. Um, and let's be let's be honest. There's 4K transfer issues where the Blu-rays look better than some of the 4Ks. But it's everyone's it's personal. It's, preference. it's highly opinionated, yeah. I guess. Yeah, for that degree. But so choices are made for transfers for how they deal with um, certain things like film grain and, and certain stuff that uh, I don't know changes transfers. Uh, I don't know. I've, I've seen bad transfers before, especially coming from our era, which would be the VHS to DVD era. I've seen plenty of VHS transfers just slapped on a DVD. And when you see that actual, uh, like a real transfer from later on, it'll look way better. You know? I mean, the fact that Ninja 3 is available on Blu-ray is, is pretty amazing that we're still talking crazy. about it uh, 30 years later. And like I say, Blu-ray is not, Blu-ray, this is like, you know, 4K is literally like, you might as well fucking, you're buying a goddamn you know, digital film print, but the Blu-ray might as well be a digital film print too. Um, In, I mean, it's, it's, it's unreal. Which which That's one do you crazy. have? Do you have Shout Factory or the Scream release? I think Shout Factory so was I have 2018 the Scream, or, uh, or vice Factory, versa. The, the I don't know. Well, there was one that came out ten years ago. Yeah, I don't, the, think Scream, I don't know. If Scream Factory existed ten years 2018. ago. So that might have been Shout. This is the Scream Factory. This is the 2018. This is the brand new, yep. the newer transfer, um, which, like I say, looks fucking fantastic. So. Um, but this also has all the new special features, interviews with uh, people. Um, you know, listen to Dicky has an interview on here. Oh, good. Um, a brand new one, a couple of new stuff. I don't know. I got, it, I got it. Mo- mostly, I got it because it's Blu-ray. It was really cheap. You know, you can get this. Is not an expensive movie. No. <laughs> to buy and uh, and yeah, I really wanted to that set, that first Inberg commentary. The special features for. are the selling point on those discs. Let's be honest. It's, it's, I mean, the movie is great, but to the have quality, the extra stuff, but yeah, I mean, some of the, like if I had this on DVD, I probably wouldn't have bought the Blu-ray. Uh, I have the Nemesis kept it. Blu-ray and that looks great. You know, some of those MVP or MVD Blu-ray releases. Oh, those are, those are great. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I have that. I have all the Nemesis ones. Yeah. Some of these films, it will shock you because you've only seen them in a certain dingy quality your whole life. And Which then is you the see other it again. plus as to why I bought this now, because I saw it, it was cheap and I thought, you know, fuck, I've not seen that movie in 20 years and I've only seen it full screen. Um, obviously I never saw this in a theater. Yeah. Me neither. I was way, way too young. So yeah. Right. So yeah, I thought, man, that's that'd be a good one to revisit. Um, which is crazy to see all the movies that are getting new transfers and coming out now um, that are thirty, you know, twenty plus years old. I'd say they're getting brand new transfers that I've never seen. To say I've never seen in a theater, I've never seen in widescreen. Period. Yeah, that's 
I have not seen Ninja 3 in widescreen. And what I was going to say about Laserdisc, lastly, is that that was one of the huge selling points to me when I was younger and I bought my Laserdisc player was because I could get the proper aspect ratio and see what the filmmaker intended. Because, right. I mean, widescreen is as readily available as it is now and we're used to it was, was a huge you know, fucking debate between studios and filmmakers in the eighties. So to get proper non pan and scan was, was huge. And although this movie played fine, I, there was never an, an instance where I thought, Oh, well I'm they sure that, that, that final shot where so <laughs> walking along the, the skyline there, the, the mountain Ridge, I'm sure that looked great. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I'm, I'm sure there wasn't a big loss at all. It's not, I just want, I just found it interesting. Like, I could, you could basically, for having watched this now, I can basically check off having seen this in a theater. I've essentially seen that, a 35 millimeter film print of the film. That's, I've essentially seen that. I mean, I, I I can't say anything. I bought American Ninja 1 through 4 on Blu-ray through all of films a while back, so um, I own I those. do have a couple of those. I don't, I don't have the third one, though, on Blu-ray. I only have it on DVD, I think so. Ah, I have still, it on that's, the two-pack still, that's DVD the and the Blu-ray because I'm a gluttonous fuck. Yeah, the Blu-ray. Yeah. I think I only have the first two on Blu-ray. You're missing a and good I one. The the three on the DVD one. The HD know. streaming isn't I'll bad. Just, I'll it's just on watch Tubi at the, the moment. No, no, I'll watch the DVD. I'll watch what I own. All right. <laughs> All right, well, that's going to wrap up our episode on Ninja 3. We want to thank you guys for joining us. And I, like we said, we're going to be doing all threes this year, right? So we're going to be the third entries. And um, That's what I feel like. I feel like we should do that because that'll be a good uh, uh, go through of just um, franchises then. Yeah. Just finding franchises that, that last to three or more. Which is not as common. Nightmare as on Elm think. Street, <laughs> yeah. Friday the 13th. There's plenty of them. Lethal Weapon 3. Ones, I mean, but there's lots of stuff. I was going to say, there's plenty of action movies and stuff. Yeah, so I think we should do that. I think that'd be fun. If you guys are out there and you have a third film in a series that you want us to look at, um, write on the Facebook or you know, email us. Let us know. Let us know what you guys think about it. And maybe we'll consider it to do on the show in the future. Speaking for Trevor Anderson, I am Jason Rugard, and we are the Movie Mavericks. Movie Mavericks.